So we're in the book of Jonah, and the last time we left Jonah having been thrown by the sailors into the depths of the sea because that was the only way uh, to stop the storm. And Jonah was running away from God, and no one uh, can do that because God is everywhere. But as Christians, uh, we can backslide, we can drift away from the Lord, and God, because he loves us, uh, he will bring us back and that's what he's doing to Jonah and we looked uh, last time at how Jonah's being thrown into the waves in order to pacify uh, the storm uh, of God's anger how that is an illustration of the grace of God in Jesus Christ Uh, we've been singing about the blood of Jesus Christ his death on the cross that death turned away the storm of God's anger, which we deserve, but because Jesus Christ took the brunt of the storm upon himself, not just the brunt, he took it all. We, if we are sheltering in Jesus Christ, we are safe for time and for eternity. And so a Christian isn't a person who's doing this or not doing that, or who knows this, or who doesn't know that. A Christian is a person who's changed positions. They were exposed to the storm. And one day there is a big storm coming, uh, the day of judgment. But we've been moved by grace to shelter in Jesus Christ. And there is no more condemnation. It's a wonderful thing, this gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, we're looking tonight at the most famous words in the book of Jonah. Uh, Jonah didn't drown, and we all know why. So, verse 17 in Jonah chapter 1. We're just going to look at the 17th verse. Now, the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three days. Nights. We don't know if it was a whale. Probably it was, but we're not told. All we're told is that it was a very big fish. And I am not going to spend time tonight uh, discussing uh, this miracle in terms of how uh, can a whale uh, swallow a person and that person stays alive uh, for three days and three nights in the belly of the whale. If I could prove to you a miracle, then it would no longer be a miracle. (laughs) The whole point of a miracle is that it is something impossible. And what we do with miracles is believe. We don't believe what is unreasonable. A miracle isn't unreasonable. God isn't unreasonable. A miracle is beyond our capacities. It's beyond our little reasoning abilities. God is so big that nothing is too hard for him. And what we do, as Watts put it, where reason fails with all her powers, there faith prevails and love adores. Do you believe, just because this is God's doing, do you believe 
God can do anything. Do you believe? There's no point in me trying to prove this, because if you don't believe, that's not going to do anything. The people in Jesus' day demanded sign after sign, and Jesus said to them, I'm not going to give you a sign, but the sign of Jonah. We'll come to that in a minute. Now, I heard this. I think it was Andy Christofides who used this example, and I found it very helpful. Miracles in the Bible are not unreasonable. So, if we would have been told that Jonah swallowed the whale, that would be unreasonable, wouldn't it? God doesn't ask us to believe something unreasonable. It's beyond reason. The whale swallowed Jonah, and Jonah stayed alive in the whale. Now then, what are we going to look at then uh, in this verse tonight? Well, isn't it interesting? It's not the whale or the big fish that has the attention. It's the God who caused all of this to happen, who is at the center of our attention. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And there's not much in the book of Jonah about this whale. There is much about the God of Jonah. And I've already referred to Jesus' words. I want to quote them. I think they're in Matthew chapter 12. An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And what's the sign? The verse we're looking at. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And then he goes on to say, the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they requested, uh, uh, they repented at the preaching of Jonah and indeed a greater than Jonah is here. That's it, my friends. A greater than the whale, a greater than Jonah. If we've got faith, we don't just see the whale, we see the greater than Jonah. So I've just got two things to bring from this verse. The greater than Jonah Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Jonah being swallowed by the whale is a sign of Jesus Christ. Now, let me open this up. If you want to understand the Bible, you don't just need the Holy Spirit. You must have the Holy Spirit to open your eyes. You also need to understand the metaphors, uh, some of the pictures that the Bible uses to describe truths. So in the Bible, the sea or the flood is very significant. Jonah uh, being thrown into the sea is significant. The sea is a metaphor for suffering. And it's also a metaphor for death. So in heaven, we're told, there is no more sea. There is no more suffering. There is no more death. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? Uh, when God flooded the world in the time of Noah, that flood was a sign of death. When uh, the children of Israel were rescued from Egypt and they crossed the Red Sea, uh, that, that was death to the Egyptians. When the children of Israel finally had to cross the Jordan in order to arrive in the promised land, the promised land was a sign of what? Of heaven, the heavenly Canaan. The Jordan was a sign of what? Death. Uh, the river, uh, the sea uh, is a sign of the last enemy, death. And Jesus died 
Three days, Jonah was in the belly of the whale. Three days was Jesus in the tomb. Uh, one of the church fathers, I like quoting the church fathers. I'm going through a, a phase of quoting the church fathers. Tertullian, he said this. What Jesus endured was a type let me read again. I don't understand my handwriting. I'm one of the few pastors who doesn't type uh, his sermons. I'm still doing it the old-fashioned way. And the disadvantage there is my handwriting is very illegible. What Jonah endured was a type of the Lord's suffering. And then it says this. By which pagan penitents, the people of Nineveh for Jonah, are redeemed. And through Jesus' death, not just Nineveh, but loads of pagans like you and me have been redeemed. Uh, so, so I find this picture language uh, very important. And the three days and three nights are significant as well. Because apparently in Bible times, if a person had been dead for three days, that was proof of death. There are some people who say that Jesus did not die on the cross, that he just fainted. But the fact that he was in the tomb for three days proves that he was actually dead. And for you and for me, this is the relevance of this. Uh, let me just give you some verses. If you've got a Bible, turn to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. Verse 9, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. We see Jesus. Do you see Jesus? Or are you just seeing the whale? And all of this fuss about how can a whale swallow a man and that man stay alive? I'm not interested in that, says faith. I want Jesus. But we see Jesus. Why? He was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honour, that he, by the grace of God, and this is the relevance, might taste death for everyone. He tasted death for you and for me, just as Jonah is a type of Jesus Christ in the belly of the whale. Jesus went into that tomb for you and for me. And then uh, chapter 2 of Hebrews, verse 14, inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, a man, there is a real man, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death, he might destroy him who has the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their life subject to bondage. Are you afraid of death? I'm afraid of death. I wouldn't be human if I wasn't afraid of death. I've been at too many deathbeds not to be afraid of death. Uh, one of the oldest members I visited when I started in this church was Mrs. Moore. Do you remember Mrs. Moore? I don't think she reached 100, but she was in her 90s. And I must have said in a sermon, and she heard it, that I was afraid of dying, the process of dying. Because when I went to see her, just before she died, she'd had an operation, she didn't pull through, and I shared with her the word, and I prayed. And then she said, Pastor, I've heard you say you're afraid of dying. 
I just want to tell you, there is nothing to be afraid of. She said something to that effect. There's nothing to be afraid of. Why? Because Jesus has tasted and swallowed that bitter pill so that you and I, even if we die, don't have to die in the sense that an unbeliever suffers. I'm using my imagination here. Um, I don't think the Bible is uh, a Walt Disney kind of book. It's uh, gore and all because it's the word of God. And the whale, after Jonah has been in its belly for three days and three nights, vomits out Jonah. That's what it says. Uh, Spews him out. And I like this. Jesus Christ, having tasted death for you and for me. Death has to spew us out. Uh, I hate being sick. Uh, you may need to know this. Whenever I'm sick, I faint. So, just in case. <laughs> but after you've been sick, don't you feel so much better? Don't, don't you feel m- much better? And, oh, my friends, this fear of death that brings us into bondage, uh, that causes us not to live as Christians in this world because we're forever obsessed about when we're going to die, what's going to happen to me. But if we see Jesus, if we see that he has tasted death for us, as John Owen put it in one of his books, the death of death in the death of Christ, then we have been spewed, as it were, out of the jaws of death and we are free to enjoy the Christian life. Um, there's, there's another quotation here. Um, Jonah was cast into the belly of the great fish, but Christ, you see, Jonah was thrown into the sea. He didn't have a choice. But Christ, of his own will, descended into the abode of the invisible fish of death. He went down of his own will to where? Where did he go? One of the creeds says he descended into hell. Some Christians believe when Jesus was put in the tomb, he descended into hell then. I don't think he did. When Jesus died on the cross, he descended into hell because he suffered hell. Once Jesus shouted, it is finished, he didn't have to go into hell anymore. Because why is there death? It's because of sin. That's what we had in our opening words. And if death is to be conquered, sin has to be dealt with. That's why there's a hell. And what Jesus did on the cross, if he was going to taste death, he had to deal with sin. And that's what happened on the cross. He didn't physically descend into hell, but spiritually he did. Because God the Father turned his face against him and he was punished for our sin. He suffered your hell for you so that we could go to heaven. Wonderful. This is why I love the Savior and his cross. Uh, We sing, don't we? I'm not ashamed to own my Lord or to defend his cause. And we sometimes sing it to the chorus, at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, faith seeing Jesus, where the burden of my heart, this fear of death, rolled away. It was there, 
by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Somebody was telling me over lunchtime how they met somebody at work, and they discovered this person, that the person from our church that was speaking to them were a Christian. And they said, oh, my dad's a Christian. He's just become a Christian. And what struck this son was how much his father was looking forward to dying. He had no fear of death anymore. And he would say, I'm looking forward to going to heaven. And the person from our church said to the son, oh, is he having a miserable life then? And the son said, not at all. He loves life. He loves living in this world. But he's looking forward to the next world. Oh, have you got a fear of death, brother, sister? There's nothing wrong in having a fear of death. We can be honest with one another. Look to Jesus Christ and realize what he did on the cross. Death. Hasn't death swallowed its billions and billions? Kirk Douglas... I remember Kirk Douglas being Spartacus before I was born. I, I hadn't realized that he was still alive. But death swallowed him a few days ago at 103. How many people in this church, even the last year, have been swallowed by death? It swallows more people than the whale. But there was one person it tried to swallow, and it couldn't. Jesus Christ. Jonah did not swallow the whale. But this is not unreasonable. The Son of God becoming a man by dying on the cross swallowed the last enemy death. Because death was no match for Jesus Christ. Uh, we're going to sing at the close of the service, I think one of the best modern hymns. There in the grave, or at the ground, his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain. And listen to this. This is vomiting, if you don't mind me using the phrase. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. And as he stands in victory, sin's curse has lost its grip on me. For I am his and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. Do you live on the ground of Christ's victory? Or are you still as a Christian living under fear? That's the first point. The greater than Jonah, Jesus Christ. And then my second point. This isn't just... A sign, is it, of Jesus Christ, Jonah being swallowed by the whale. I think it's a sign as well of our salvation in Jesus Christ. Look at the verse again. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. What does that mean? The whale was the salvation of Jonah. And God had prepared the salvation for his prophets didn't the same happen in the time of Noah? The flood was the judgment of God. And we're told God had prepared an ark for the saving of a group of people. And that, that's what our salvation is. It's been prepared by the triune God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in eternity prepared this salvation in Jesus Christ. But I want to go further. 
And this is where Jonah being in the belly of the whale is a sign for you and for me in terms of our salvation in Jesus Christ. We're not just saved by Jesus Christ. We're joined to Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? That's why I read Romans 6. Um, the theological term is our union with Jesus Christ. When we're saved, we are united to Jesus Christ. Uh, so Wales were playing rugby, I think, uh, yesterday, and I think we lost. Why am I saying we lost? I didn't play. It would have been even worse if I'd have played. But we lost because we are united to the Welsh side. They were doing the action, and they weren't victorious. But Jesus Christ was victorious, and we, when we become his people, are united to him. We are the citizens of the kingdom of Christ. And because Christ was victorious on the cross, we, united to him, are victorious. Now then, Jonah dies in the belly of the whale, in effect. He didn't die physically, but it's a sign of somebody dying. And this is what happens when we become Christians. Let me read again uh, Romans 8. Not Romans 8. Um, Romans 6. Romans 6. Do you not know, verse 3 of Romans 6, that as many of us as were baptized, that means joined, as many of us as were united uh, to Jesus Christ, were united into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism. So when he died, when he was buried in the tomb, we were there with him. And then verse 5, if we've been united together in the likeness of his death. Verse 6, knowing that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away. Verse 7, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Verse 8, now if we died, that's aorist, done, past. If we died with Christ, have you died? You're not a Christian unless you've died. I think the greatest problem in evangelical evangelicalism at the moment is you've got people who believe in their heads the gospel of grace and they think of Jesus's death as some insurance policy to take them to heaven and not to go to hell but the problem is nothing's happened inside they haven't died you can't be a Christian unless you've died what do we mean by that I think it was Stuart Ollier to use this illustration. It's, um, it's a typical Stuart Ollier illustration, if you see what I mean. He talked about a cruel tyrant as a master. And he had a slave. And this poor slave was bound to his cruel tyrant. And there was another master, and he loved this slave, but he couldn't have him because the slave belonged to this cruel tyrant. So what did the other master do so that this slave could be freed from serving the cruel tyrant and belong to him? Do you know what he did? He killed the slave. 
So the slave didn't belong anymore to the cruel tyrant because he'd been killed. He was freed. And then the new master made alive the slave that was killed. And now he served the new master. He didn't belong anymore to the old tyrant. So sometimes the slave who belonged to his new master now, and his new master loved him, he had new life in him. Sometimes the slave would go into the market and he would still see his old tyrant master. And his old tyrant master would berate him. And the slave would be afraid. But he didn't belong to him anymore. He belonged to a new master. And my friends, that is what has happened to us when we are joined to Jesus Christ. We were once slaves of sin, weren't we? We were once under the devil. But we, we have died with Christ. We're no longer in that realm. We now have had a new citizenship. We now belong to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And it's not just that we belong to this kingdom, but the life of Jesus Christ is in us. Um, I think it was Thomas Chalmers who described it, uh, one of these great um, theological phrases, the uh, expulsive power of a new affection. Uh, what does that mean in plain English? It means this, I like things I hated before. I enjoy things I found boring before. And I can't explain it. Uh, let's hear what Paul says. He says um, in Galatians, this is, this is what Jonah is a sign of in terms of our salvation in Jesus Christ. Uh, you know these verses. They're very well known. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I've died, Paul says. I've died. Have we died? Is there a new owner? Or are we still serving another master and paying lip service to Jesus Christ? Now, I'm not talking about perfectionism here. In the illustration of Stuart Elliot, the slave would be taunted by his old master. And we... Even though our old man, if you haven't read Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones on Romans 6, read him. It's radical teaching. He says there, our old man, what we were before we were saved, is crucified. It's dead. It's gone. But we're still in the old nature. We've still got the old nature. And the old nature is a pain, isn't it? And so even though we've got a new man, a new life, a new master... We've still got the old nature dragging us down. But we don't belong. We don't belong to that. Isn't, isn't that encouraging if you're fighting temptation? If you're fighting uh, the suggestions of the devil? You don't belong. You've got the power of Christ. Now, I, I need to say this. So many famous pastors have fallen in the last few years. And I'm not thinking now of the wider evangelical scene. I'm talking about the reformed evangelical scene. Read about what's happened in the States. Very well-known pastors. I think one reason for it is that we've set them up. They've been put on a pedestal. There's a horrible thing called celebrity Christianity. I never want to become your celebrity pastor. I'm a servant. 
Do you know George Muller's phrase? George Muller founded the orphanages in Bristol. He died, he said. This is what he said. There was a day when I died, utterly died, died to George Muller. His opinions, preferences, tastes, and will. Died to the world, its approval or censure. Died to the approval or blame even of my brethren and friends. And since then, I have studied only to show myself approved unto God. Have you died? Have you been in the belly of the whale? If you're dead, you don't care about what other people think. Now, it's still a struggle. I'm not, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying uh, a person is perfect. But you know what I mean when I say a Christian has died. Do you know what our forefathers called it? They called it the mortification of sin. So here I am now. I'm, I'm dead to the old man. And I want to serve Christ. And I've got the same members. I've still got these hands. I've still got this mind. I've still got these feet. I, I, I used these members before to serve the old master. Now I want to give them to Jesus Christ. We must put to death. The old nature. Uh, I just want to read Tozer here. I found this helpful. He's very folksy. This is so practical, you see. I think a lot of trouble in churches is due to the fact that people don't realize that they've died. And having died, we die daily. That's what Paul says. Daily, I've got to put to death these desires of the old nature. You know, this is what it is. Um, Think of pastors being put on a pedestal. May I never be put on a pedestal. This is what Tozer says. What do I mean by the old nature? I mean your pride. You were bossiness. You were nastiness. You were temper. You were mean disposition. You were lustfulness. And you were quarrelsomeness. Now, we all struggle with those things. We've got to put them to death because we are dead to those things. What do I mean, reverend? I mean your study, your hunting for a bigger church, being dissatisfied with the offering and blaming the superintendents because you cannot get called to a new church. The reason you can't get called is nobody wants you. That's what I mean, reverend. Um, If I'm not careful, I'm going to do an impression of Tozer. Deacons, what do I mean? I mean sitting around in committee meetings, wearing your poor pastor out because you are too stubborn to humble yourself and admit you're wrong. What do I mean, musicians? I mean that demeanor that makes you hate somebody that can sing a little better than you can. I mean that jealousy that makes you want to play the violin when everybody knows you can't. (laughs) All of this may be under the guise of spirituality. That's the danger. Do you realize you're dead? And as a dead person, you don't give a hoot as to what other people think. You only care about what your Savior thinks. And as a dead person serving a new master, you're constantly putting to death the motions of the old nature for they show themselves in outward actions. I think that's one big reason why there's been so many failings 
and failures and splits in the last few years. But it's not just that, is it? I'm coming to a conclusion here. We've not just died with Jesus Christ. Uh, how did Paul put it? I got to read the word. I haven't got anything apart from the word. Uh, we've been buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ, what? Did he stay in the tomb? No, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. So I'm putting to death the deeds of the flesh. But I'm offering my members now to serve a risen saviour. There's the life of Jesus Christ. There's mortification of sin. And there's, I like this word, the vivific... I would like it better if I could say it. The vivification of the Spirit. Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, you starve the old nature. Starve it. Don't feed it things uh, that cause you to be tempted and cause you to fall. I'm not being legalistic. I love reading all sorts of things. I love watching all sorts of things. I love listening to all sorts of things. But if something drags you down spiritually, if something causes your old nature to have dominion over you, starve it and feed the new nature. Feed the new nature. The vivification of the spirits. And this is the amazing thing about the Christian life. Let me, let me give you some more verses from Romans 6. Um, <laughs> if we've been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. I've been raised to life. Do you realize that, Christian? When you were born again, you were made alive. Do you realize there's resurrection power working in you? Do you realize that's why you haven't fallen by the wayside? If it was up to you, you would have. But because the power of Christ is in you and in me, we are going to reach the end of the journey. Vivification. Uh. He who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. You know, if you've ever been in the belly of the whale, it's dying, yes. But as Willie still called his autobiography, it's dying to live. Do you know what a Christian is? People who are unbelievers, they think they're alive. They're not alive spiritually. They think they're alive, but they're going to die. Do you know what a Christian is? A Christian is a person who's dead, dead to this world, but alive to God. And do you know what? We are heading to an eternity where we'll be more alive than ever before. Dying to live. Jesus said, whoever shall save his life shall lose it. But whoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels shall save it. Dying to live. How are things with you in your Christian life? Are you trying to save yourself? I'm not thinking now of trying to earn heaven. I'm just thinking of our approach to life. Are you trying, I don't know, to save your reputation? Are you trying to climb over the heads of other people so that you can get that promotion? Are you trying to protect yourself? Are you trying to vindicate yourself? That's all trying to save yourself. Give up. Die. Kill your ambition. 
and leave it with God. And this is what I found. This is what Jonah was finding. This is what countless Christians have found. If you die to self, you will know the power of Christ. What about us as a church? Are we trying to, I don't know, are we, are we trying to save ourselves again? Are, are we trying to hold on maybe to our money in case we run out in the future? Are we, are we trying uh, to keep people from moving elsewhere in case uh, we dwindle, my friends? It's by dying we really live. Isn't it interesting? When our former pastor was at death's door, uh, didn't he compose um, I Saw a New Vision of Jesus when he was in hospital? When he was laid aside, it looked as if it was over. Then God intervened, dying to live. When I was in Christian Union, my first year, a number of us were saved. The Christian Union, the Welsh Christian Union, was a very small, disparate group, a really pathetic group. God worked. The next year, we were a much bigger group because so many of us had been saved, and we gave all these uh, fantastic titles like justification and sanctification for the speakers. We thought we were the bee's knees. There wasn't much movement of the spirits. Dying to live. It even affects God's economics or our economics if we're God's children. The more we give, the more he gives us. I can't explain it. Dying to live. Gareth Davis, um, godly, godly pastor, gone to glory now. Uh, somebody in his church uh, giving birth for the first time to a child. The child was very disabled and the person was beside themselves, didn't know what to do. And Gareth advised in this way, don't cling on to the child. Hold loosely. Do you understand what I mean by that? Are we clinging on to things, trying to save in the wrong sense? Or are we holding on loosely, acknowledging God is in control, dying to live? I've got to come to a conclusion. Uh, I can see the clock is uh, ticking. Uh, I just got one example. I think one example uh, will uh, suffice. Do you, do you know about Luther and the Diet of Worms? It wasn't what he ate. <laughs> it was this uh, gathering uh, of uh, the Roman Catholic Church and the then Roman Empire, which wasn't very big. And Luther was being condemned as a heretic because he discovered... Uh, this gospel that had been hidden under centuries of Roman Catholic tradition, and Luther had to appear before this august company of the great and the good. The emperor, Charles, was there, and Luther was asked, with the, the books that he'd written on the table before the council, did you write these books? He could have been put to death if he said yes. And they asked him, are you recanting? Are you taking back what you've written? Do you know what Luther said? We can imagine Luther straight away standing up and being strong, but he didn't. He said, I need a night to think about it. <laughs> and do you know what happened that night? I only discovered this preparing the message. Luther died in this way. He was in the belly of the whale. He prayed to God that night, oh my God, where art thou? Where are you? Why have you abandoned me? The devil's rage and thou art not there. The devils hound me, but where art thou, 
Oh, my God, are thou dead? Are you dead? He died. When Jonah was thrown into the sea, I think Jonah expected to die. You know, we look back and think, oh, it was easy going, wasn't it? A whale was going to swallow him. Ah. I don't think Jonah knew that. Jonah was expecting to die. Luther was expecting to die. And we, maybe, when we were saved, we were expecting to die. When we face decisions, and we know the right decision to take, but we know it will come at great cost, we die, don't we, in effect? But what happens? What happens? As we die, the life of Jesus is working in us. And we know what happened the following day. Luther didn't recant, did he? He simply said, I cannot and will not recant anything, for to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. Here I stand. I can do no other. So help me God. I think that's what it is to be like Jonah, united to Christ like we are, in the belly of the whale, dying. Because he died, we die with him, and we still die. And then, through that, resurrection life flows through us. Didn't we sing, O cross, that liftest up my head? I dare not ask to fly from thee. What do you do? This is what we do. I lay in dust, life's glory dead, including myself. And from the ground, there blossoms red life that shall forever be. Do you realize you've died? Do you realize that the life of Jesus is through you? Paul said, I die so that you may live. I think we pastors have to die. Every time I go into the pulpit, I have to die. I, I have to, as it were, uh, expose my soul. It's like dying. I think if we want God to really visit us, it will mean the belly of the whale. It will mean dying so that the life of Jesus will flourish. And may God bless us all for his name's sake. Amen.